politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen stewards of the global order, but still not loyal subjects to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Wednesday, December 14th, as we come in, unfortunately, to these final few days of broadcast for the year. And there is so much to cover. These days, these hours, headed towards the Christmas break, lame duck congressional session, should bring out openly to anyone who has a brain, eyes, and a heart that there is no difference between the two parties other than the fact that the Republicans are more subversive and are designed to prevent us from creating a true opposition party and movement. It is jarring to watch the dichotomy between what's going on in Florida with DeSantis to what's going on in Washington. Mitch McConnell and Ron DeSantis, literally worlds apart. Much greater difference between them than between McConnell and a Democrat, and really that's not even accurate because there's no difference whatsoever because they're working together. It's a one-two step. This brings out perfectly when you look at this fake fight. Oh, they debate. I don't know if we're going to get an omnibus deal. I don't know. And then suddenly, oh, they announced they have a deal. When you look at what they were fighting over to begin with, it perfectly exemplifies my um, illustration that I always give you how Democrats move three light years to the left. Republicans move with them, walk back three steps and fake fight those three steps and then call it, you know, a day, uh, one to two steps in between. And you're like, wait, what? That's the focus? But that's what Republican talk radio focuses your attention on. That minuscule 0.1% area of disagreement that's only created to give the illusion that there is even opposition to distract you from doing the right thing, but they won't focus on, wait a minute, this is where we should be. Why aren't Republicans and Democrats where we should be? And then you pressure Republicans where their constituents are in the majority and demand action from them. Instead, they're like, oh, let's help the Republicans beat the Democrats. Until we break that idolatry, until we destroy the Republican Party, we will never come to a political solution. But the problem is that the Republican Party and the fake conservative movement is artful enough to always still live, leave enough of a veneer of fake opposition that it precludes us from having this discussion. So you'll have all these talk radios, oh, they're selling out on the, um, on the omnibus, McConnell, McConnell. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? You're just going to keep going on next year. Oh, Republicans holding hearings. Biden crime family. Biden, 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 Biden. They're going to go back to their same old ways, taking no inspiration from any of the ideas we're putting forth to make a difference. So, folks, we're here, as always, to give you that 2020 vision on politics. But you know what? I could actually offer you 2020 vision in your eyes and support America's only conservative eyewear company, Better Spectacles. They import authentic German Rodenstock eyewear, which is the gold standard in the industry, and they're particularly selling now biometric intelligence glasses, or go big. Uh, their scientists have used over 7,000 points in the eye that were measured to create the perfect fit with your brain and give you the sharpest vision. That's why I'm always on the ball, because I always have my big glasses, not physically big, uh, from Rodenstock. Uh, you could see up to 40% better than typical progressive eyewear at near an intermediate distance. 98% of people who have them recommend them. Go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to get started. What does that mean? You schedule a teleoptical appointment so you don't even have to leave your home. And then they offer 61% off their eyewear plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. Great eyeglasses. Change sight. They change your mind, but for the better. Because uh, they allow you to see and function with what you know God originally gave you with your birthday suit. And then 
That's how you could change lives. Betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Again, betterspectacles.com slash conservative. So, folks, I don't know what to discuss, the good or the bad first. Do, do we discuss the contrast of the good in Florida or the bad in um, in, in, in Washington? Let, you know what? Let's discuss the good first. So, yesterday, Ron DeSantis had a roundtable with Joseph Latipo, his Surgeon General, had a bunch of doctors and scientists and uh, several people who were vaccine injured that gave over their story. And he announced the creation of a public health integrity committee to push back against federal misinformation. He invited other states to join him and pull resources, which I thought was very important. And of course, um, you know, they announced that they're going to study vaccine injury more within the state Department of Health. And the big news was he did take the idea that we discussed a month ago with uh, Dr. Henry Ely, grand jury petition. So they're going to impanel a grand jury to look into fraud committed by both Pfizer and the FDA when it comes to the safety and efficacy of the vaccines. And, and the thing is, once you impanel a grand jury, you could expand the scope to every aspect of COVID. So this is our first, you know, step in trialsandexecution.com, having a trial. Um, and it's a great platform because the thing is in Florida, and I think a lot of states, I'm not sure if all of them, but you could impanel a grand jury for investigative purposes. So for public interest, you feel is an issue that your your verdict might not be indicting John Doe, a specific person. That would be nice, and I think that should be an aim to try to find someone operating in Florida who could be under their jurisdiction and roped in. But importantly, even without that, you could do it just to recommend legislation, to recommend ideas, to expose things to the public. So I think this is this is the first first kind of foray into this and. You know, more importantly than the outcome of the grand jury itself is that what he's doing is moving that Overton window. That now it's not just a discussion over mandates, but over the actual vaccines. Our bioweapons are a problem. Discussion of vaccine injured, discussion of the lack of care for those people, the lying, the manipulation, the fraud committed by Pfizer and Moderna and the FDA. That's the discussion we need to have. And also, again, this committee, interposition, we're going to push back against the feds. We're going to invite other states to join us. This is my love language. Now, I don't know if a single state's going to join him because I don't think we have another state. But that at least allows us to pressure these other governors. Hey, are you joining the committee? If you don't like his committee, are you starting your own? So it's a very important seminal moment. That, that I think it ha- could, could bear a lot of fruit and lays the blueprint to doing this because we need a committee, like I said, that we're not playing catch-up a year to two years after the fact. For example, they're coming out with mRNA shots for our RSV and the flu. They're coming out with, with cancer vaccines. I don't even know what that means. So what, everyone just takes it when they're born? Um I mean, that's insane. You need someone to throw flags right away and say, hey, we're recommending against them from from day one. We're not going to participate in the purchase, the distribution, certainly not going to market them. We're going to put out information against them. That's the blueprint that we need to see from every red state. If you would have every Republican governor do this, if you would have half the Republican governors do this, we'd have a different country right now. But look at the difference. Every other governor is still encouraging getting the shots, not giving a platform to the vaccine injured. And again, imagine how much better he can do if he had other people to work with and wasn't always the one guy there out on a limb. What Ron DeSantis ultimately is, is a control group on the fraud of the Republican Party. It gives you an imagination of what you could possibly accomplish. 
See, we're, we're, we're led to believe, oh, we can't do any better. You have conservative talk radio always holding excuses for these people. Oh, yeah, this is the best they can do. It's the polling. It's the lack of power. And he hasn't even gotten negative press for this. That's the irony. He could do a lot stronger. You know what I mean? Like, like th- th- this, is, this is just the down payment. Imagine if you had Republicans in Congress saying, we will not vote for a budget bill that funds Pfizer anymore until we have funding for the vaccine injured. Just something, I'm just picking one angle. You think that's unachievable? Of course it's achievable. It's unachievable because the Republican Party is a controlled opposition and conservative media genuflex before their every whim. That's the game. This could be done everywhere. And that leads me to what we're seeing in Washington, worlds apart. Worlds apart. I just want you guys to understand, if we had a movement focusing on mistrusting, distrusting the Republican Party, yelling at them, holding them accountable, exposing them, fighting on the issue, setting red lines, setting policy deadlines on them. And had we had a movement doing this the last generation like I was doing it, Ron DeSantis would be the the bare minimum of what a Republican is. But instead, you get what you demand. And all they demand is, Republicans, please save us from the Democrats. That's all you get. These pathetic losers won't change at all based on what's going on in Washington. We'll discuss some of that, some of the games going on. First, one more sponsor today. Very important. Folks, if you are one of those who has a free email, stop and listen right now. You don't have free email. You might not pay money to get it. Gmail, you know, spy mail, Yahoo. But the bottom line is, They see everything you're doing. They sell your information, uh, medical records, travel plans, financial information, political strategy, political views. I wouldn't be surprised if the email servers are working with CISA and the FBI um, to vet you out. They actually are. Stop using spy mail and begin using start mail. Startmail.com slash conservative you get 50% off your first year. But you know what? It's not even the cheap rate that matters. It's what you get for it. Startmail is an easy-to-use encrypted email provider that keeps my data safe. No one could read, scan, or sell it. When you delete it, it's deleted forever. It's also cool you could generate an unlimited number of disposable emails for when inevitably you need to use uh, you know, just junk email for to sign up for different things. I don't trust big tech, and neither should you. Sign up today at startmail.com slash conservative to get 50% off your first year. Stop allowing government and the cartel to spy on you. Start freedom with startmail.com slash conservative. By the way, my email, of course, is danielhorowitz at startmail.com. Very simple. So what happened yesterday? Well, they announced, oh, we reached an agreement. But what, what, what's more illuminating than their agreement is what they were disagreeing about to begin with. It's the funniest thing. And I want to illustrate this with a dollar amount. So the budget's going to be close to $1.7 trillion. And when we say budget, that means discretionary uh, appropriations, the budget authority. You know, the mandatory programs they already have um, set up on autopilot. By the way, not that you can't structurally and statutorily change mandatory programs in um, the annual appropriations either. They just say, oh, it's appropriations bill, you know, mandatory spending, you have to deal with reauthorization of the programs. It's not true. You could put any rider you want on a discretionary spending bill. I'm not advocating we do this. I'm just saying you could abolish Social Security in a, in a budget bill, and you could do what you want. But But I just want to throw that out there. So, I mean, obviously the total federal budget is going to approach – you know, close to you know six and a half, seven trillion, but it's one point seven trillion dollars. Do you know what the disagreement was over? The disagreement was over twenty six billion out of that. 
So literally, you, you could see an illustration. You could almost make a graphic. They agree on 99%, and they fought on the 1%. So the entire time, like you might think, oh my gosh, why was there no omnibus bill? You know, why, why was it dragging out and it looked like they might have missed the deadline? It, it, are they fighting over Pfizer and funding the COVID fascism, the FBI, the border invasion, Ukraine? Oh, no, they agreed all that and they're increasing funding for all of that. The, the, the area of disagreement was over top line spending numbers. Which, which is meaningless. It's the policies. It's the specific things you're funding. It's not like the, just the general spending level. That's the big suspense. That was the, I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. So they all agreed to, to just blow up military spending. $858 billion. Massive, like 10% increase in one year. And for those of you who think it's going to go to good things... A, a manly military fighting China? No. You know what it goes for. Funding Ukraine. And when I say that, that's a separate expenditure. But I mean, even the parts that fund the military are oriented towards a mission that has that in its mind. But then, because Republicans grovel and throw themselves at the feet of the left, they're like, oh my gosh, we need more military spending. So the Democrats are like, okay, well, you want more military spending, then you have to give us more non-defense bureaucracy spending. You know, all the bureaucracies that we don't like. Although I would say DOD is the worst now, but that's the point. Republicans and conservatives still view the military as, oh, we want more military spending, but less other spending. They don't really, but they say that. And then the Democrats are like, well, you plus up the military spending. So like, all right, we'll make a, a compromise. We're going to increase spending on both. And that this is what they've been doing every single year you know, since the dawn of times because they refuse to shoot the hostage and just say the military is broken you know, without structural reforms. I actually support cutting funding. So I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. The um, the disagreement was. Here's the contours of debate. We so so we have the most unconstitutional, immoral, tyrannical federal bureaucracy administration ever. None of that bothers Republicans. None of it. The contour of disagreement was Republicans wanted the budget. At Biden's level, Biden's budget blueprint, his FY 2023 fiscal year budget, you know, he sent to Congress like they always do. What is it, March or something? March, April is when he sent it. They want his levels, $787 billion for non-defense discretionary spending. Okay, that's what it was. That's an 8%, 8% increase from last year. So across the board. HUD, EPA, CDC, FBI, you name 8%. Did you get an 8% increase in uh, income because of inflation? I didn't. Very few people I know did. Oh, but inflation, we need 8%. Democrats said, no, we want $26 billion beyond Biden's budget. Literally, this is the contour of debate. So they announced that, oh, we have an agreement. So they're writing it. And in the meantime, because the, the spending runs out midnight tomorrow night, they're going to pass a seven-day CR. And then some, someday next week, they're going to vote on the omnibus bill to permanently throw away their leverage for the remainder of the fiscal year. But they're like, we're not announcing the exact top-line level because because they don't want democrats on the left and republicans on the right to complain and i'm thinking like this is the big secret literally like this is the so where between the 26 billion disagreement top line just general spending not any policy out of the 1.7 trillion where did they land is it 13 billion in the middle? Is it 10 billion clo closer to the GOP's number, which is Biden's number? Is it the other way? 
that's that's the big mystery. They're so concerned about this. I'm like, I don't, that's the issue. The issue is you're funding the freaking Fourth Reich. Oh, so it's only Biden's level of 8% increase of record high baseline funding for all the agencies killing us. But it's not even the spending levels, it's the policies that you're funding. So none of this was holding it up. So Biden ensconced in the spending, Biden demanded a supplemental increase in Ukraine. He wanted 37 billion more for Ukraine. And he wanted, I forget how many billion more for COVID. So according to, you know, Congressional Quarterly, The Hill, all we have are media reports. I don't have anything else. Some degree of extra Ukraine spending is going to be in there. So without any audit, without any audit whatsoever of where the first 60 billion went, Republicans signed off on more Ukraine funding. I mean, think about that. No audit as to where it is. Like, that's at least the cop-out. The real position is, we shouldn't be funding them because it's harming our economy. It's, it's, it's helping the globalists. It's helping the com- communists. It's helping the Biden money laundering scheme. But at least just from a, a, you know, just from a budget oversight, they're like, hey, you know, where'd that $60 billion go? So maybe it won't be $37 billion. They'll throw in maybe another 15, 20 billion, whatever it will be. It will put us up to 70, 80 billion. Again, likely as much money as we've given to Israel for its entire history. And Israel has been the number one recipient of defense aid year after year. And again, whether you agree, disagree, you know, I have mixed feelings on it, but um, you know, the reality is you could see at least something what you got from it, things like the Iron Dome, missile defense. Helped our own military contractors, whatever good that is. But you see something. Here, no one could tell you, what exactly did you purchase for $60 billion? Republicans totally agree. McConnell expressed the um, the sentiment among them. Where is this? McConnell um, was like, hey, you know, this is, this. we all agree. We all agree. It's all good. He said, he said, this is, um, you know, this is still consensus. Consensus issue. To fund Ukraine in whatever, whatever they need. Whatever they need. Could you imagine that is the difference between the two parties? And then... The only disagreement, so the, the Republicans opposed more COVID funding, but that's the, the only reason they oppose it, they say, is because there's, a, there's still unspent accounts. Because we've thrown trillions of dollars that they've already agreed to. It's like there's no need for more. It's not that it's harmful. It's funding the Fourth Reich, funding the biomedical security state. No problem with that. That the vaccines are killing people. That Paxlovid, they're throwing in another $2 billion for Paxlovid. This is not even the supplemental. This is the base budget. They're giving it $2 billion more. No oversight on its safety and efficacy. Blank check. They're going to wind up making $26 billion off of Paxlovid. Pfizer's total revenue this year will be over $100 billion. Republicans have no problem with that. It's just, oh, there's, there's unspent accounts, so we don't need more. Not on the premise. This is where we are. We have a government that's spying on the American people, criminalizing political opposition, criminalizing free speech, mutilating our kids, funding pharma's biomedical security state on our bodies that's killing and maiming millions of people. They're working with the cartels to invade our country. Literally, you have... um. DHS said that they're preparing for 14,000 illegals a day. Do you know, just just to give you a a context with that, that's an annualized flow of 5.1 million 
5.1 million. It's greater than the city of LA. 5.1 million. And that's all fine. They're handing our inheritance to Ukraine, thereby furthering the green energy agenda, furthering the inflation, needlessly sabering with Russia, choking off our energy during an energy crisis, all this stuff. And they are fine not just with funding it, but with taking away House Republican leverage to do anything about it and hold that over the president for for the entire year. The one disagreement was just so they could fight over a couple of billion. Oh no, I want this number, that number. Literally, this is the type of stuff that they that they talk about. It's a game. It's all a freaking game. But it's even worse than the way I'm making it out to be. Much worse. You see, I always give the analogy how Republicans and conservative media, they make it that you choke, but you're perpetually choking. So you can't spit it up, but you can't swallow it either. You figure, at least you swallow it. Okay, we come to a resolution. Everyone sees the Republican Party as a fraud. No. Now it's, oh, no, no, McConnell. So after 15 freaking years, when I was trying to get rid of McConnell, conservative media trashed me. I'll never forget. You know, I had this disagreement with Laura Ingram like eight years ago on her show. She's like, no, McConnell's a wily man. He's like, he's like, kind of like saying he's smart strategically. No, we don't need to get rid of him. I don't need to pick on her. I'm just saying that that's what they they were all like that. Now, when finally, yeah, it's too late. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But are you going to, first of all, are you going to adjust your strategy? Meaning, right now, it's still this 50-50 game. Okay, what's going to happen in 2024? President, okay, they failed to win the Senate, but next time is a much better map because you have three you know, solid red state Democrats that are up, so we should easily be able to win the Senate. But like, at least do you recognize now you have a 90-10 Senate. You have a 90-10 Senate. Now, the ultimate vote on the omnibus, you'll, you'll get more than 10 no votes because once they know they have 60, they'll get a hall pass. It's kind of like the gay marriage bill. You'll have more like closer to 12, maybe 15 vote for it. But it's a game. McConnell you know, supports it. McConnell will vote for it. Obviously, he can't whip against it. In this case, he's actually voting for it. And um, so, yeah, you'll you'll have more votes, including the short-term CR, which is going to happen tomorrow. You know, on Thursday, they'll vote on the short-term CR. Um, we'll see if the you know more conservative members try to put up a fight procedurally to drag it out beyond the government funding deadline. But imagine if we had a government funding fight with DeSantis. Imagine if you had a, 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 House, Senate, a House Republican leader, Senate Republican leader, holding the roundtable that DeSantis holds, do it in Washington, and have one after another person who's vaccine injured get up there and say, we are not going to fund this, we're going to fund help for them, and that's your shutdown fight. We can only imagine but you need to look no more than DeSantis winning Florida by 20 points and winning Palm Beach County for what that can and should look like. So first of all, even when it comes to the Senate, they're not going to operate, that is, conservative media, as if we have a 90-10 Democrat Senate, but we do. They're not going to operate as such, that we need to move beyond that. But even the House is kind of a joke. So now the, the line is, oh, but the House Republicans are good. So McCarthy now gets to look like a rose. He's like, I'm a hell no on the omnibus. You know, it's kind of interesting, Kevin. It's kind of interesting, Kevin, that we all knew this. If you remember, we all said that if you give up that leverage, remember when they passed the first short-term CR in September, we said pass it into early 2023. Because if you do it into December 16th, there's going to be that rush to get out for Christmas, and we lose that every time they're going to pass an omnibus bill. 
McCarthy was stone silent. Remember, I mean, we covered it at the time. We couldn't get him. It was only when he didn't see it coming that they didn't wind up winning the House by much, and he was kind of blamed for it. So then it created a market for a challenge to his speakership. Now he's like, yeah, I'm hell no. But still, if you notice, it's not like he held a press conference early enough before the negotiations came to, uh, you know, the point of no return. He waits now. He's a hell no. Oh, okay. That's real nice. That's real nice. So, you know, a lot of these talk radio show hosts are like, McCarthy is good, but McConnell's bad. First of all, they were never with us on McConnell when it mattered. Notice they're never there on the issue that matters and the way it matters at the time it matters. So now it's McConnell. But the major thing is where you're going to have the majority. That's what's going to matter. Because you could hold up budget bills and that, now they can't do it. So McCarthy is basking in the glow that he he knows they don't have the votes in the House. They do have the votes in the Senate because of the filibuster, but the, the Senate is screwed. They say, look, there's nothing I can do, but I, I would love to have the budget to, to work on it. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. The proof's in the pudding. He was all for it until the fight against him reached a critical mass. So all these people that are like, oh, McCarthy's much better than McConnell. Yeah, only because of people like me that literally forced him into the fight and and thanks to Andy Biggs and those guys creating a fight over it with the speakership, no thanks to you who are trashing those people who got McCarthy more to the right. He wouldn't have been there if it was left to people like you. And that's the broader point, that they don't use their stupid leverage to push these people to the right. That's the one use of conservative media. That's the one purpose. And that's the one thing they won't do. Because it would have mattered much more had I had those voices with me on the omnibus bill in September. I said at the time, I said, look, we will. it's not like it's a fait accompli when we lost the fight then. You technically could block it in December and force a, a CR into next year. But I'm like, it's very unlikely we're going to win that. And that's where we are today. And by the way, one other thing on this that's funny Notice, you know, they're all saying, man, the House Republicans, they're going to have a narrow majority. It's going to be very tenuous. Do you know that a Democrat just died? And then there's a few more vacancies anyway. Democrats technically only have 218 seats. They have a two-seat majority now. And this is a very contentious bill. The short-term CR and the omnibus bill. Notice how there's no doubt whatsoever that they're going to get enough votes. That not a single one on a budget bill like this, you know, because you might have, sometimes you have from the left, you oppose budget bills for all sorts of reasons, that it doesn't have something you wanted or has something you don't like. They always get what they want because they're a real party. The only reason why you have, like I say, even in the House, when you have 30, 40, like, hardcore rhinos, it's much worse than that. You only have the 30, 40 that are able to be that way because the core hundred leadership types are frauds too. And that includes McCarthy. And then that gets me to Trump. This from the New York Times. From the New York Times. Despite Trump's lobbying, McCarthy's speaker bid remains imperiled on the right. Former President Donald J. Trump has been working the phones personally, pitching right-wing lawmakers on voting to make McCarthy speaker, calling him my Kevin. Mr. Trump, according to people close to him, is not entirely sold on the notion of McCarthy as a strong speaker, but he considers McCarthy better than the alternative, including improbable scenarios in which the job instead might go to a moderate who can draw some votes from the Democrats. So yeah, Trump buys into that narrative. This is the thing. Trump was elected to bust through the typical establishment narratives. And instead, he lopped them up. I'll never forget all the arguments of why you have to rally around the flag and vote for omnibus bills when he was president. Not only did he buy into them, but he used his goodwill and clout among conservatives to whip the phone lines and get conservatives to stand down. So this is what we have now. It's funny 
for some reason, like, there's a whole group of people out there that are accusing DeSantis of working with McCarthy um, because they allege some donor that's tied to him might have met with McCarthy, which is stupid because DeSantis actually was one of the original leaders in Congress in 2014 who opposed McCarthy ascending to leadership. He publicly fought him and, and supported Raul Labrador at the time, um, but only I would know that because these idiots don't know politics to the next level. And yet Trump, their guy, is literally whipping against us at the most critical juncture. It's so bizarre. Again, if you have a matrix of benefit and liability of this man, I'm really having a hard time seeing any benefit we're getting from him. See, a lot of liability there. So I'm saying it's not even just the Senate. The House is screwed up. And our only chance is to leverage a new speaker. And of course, Trump is harming us. And by the way, it's not even like the House is unanimous at all. Adderholt, Alabama Republican, was quoted in the media saying, um, it will be good to get it off the plate now. Meaning he wants to get it off the plate. Get the budget off the plate. That's how he views it. Adderholt's an appropriator. Adderholt is... I believe the Republican who represents the the reddest district in America. It's in northern Alabama. Um, it might still be this way, but for a time, I know it had the highest Cook PVI, like R plus 32 or, or something like that. This is what we have from a district like that. And he's been that way forever. But when you don't have a movement that's patrolling and calling this out. So maybe it will take a few cycles. But we, they're not even doing it. So that we have no way of defeating these people in primaries. No way of defeating these people. Which leads me to my point. There's a middle ground between immediately having a party that doesn't exist and continuing the path of carrying water for the Republican Party. Just the mindset of Republicans are just as bad as Democrats. You want to privately vote for them no matter what in the general election? That's one thing. But publicly, at least, all of the focus of a conservative movement, if it were a real movement, every person who works in conservative politics, media, full-time, should be doing what I'm doing. Constantly saying, this is what needs to be done, this is how they're betraying us, these are the Republicans betraying us, pressuring them. That's what needs to be done. You will never change anything for one simple reason. These Republicans know, and they know very well, that Republicans will never be off the reservation. And that's why I published the first outline. It's not greatly detailed. It's a 2,000-word essay, but it's not like greatly detailed. You need to elaborate on it. But an opening, you know, kind of salvo of seven, eight different things that you could start a new party without starting a new party. You kind of use the Republican Party when necessary. You weave in and out. And I kind of, you know, lay that down there. But the first thing is to recognize it's not like, oh, how do we, how do we win, beat, beat, beat the ballot harvesting? How do we uh, um, elect more Republicans over deep? No, no, no. You understand. You don't focus on that microscopic gap between R's and D's. You focus on the gargantum gap between you, or at least where you should be if you're a real conservative, and where the Republican Party is. And again... It's not really a gap between the R's and D's because that's part of the game. If you have someone burning down a building with people trapped in it, and then you have an accomplice blocking the corridor so firefighters can't get in, is that guy bad but not quite as bad as the guy doing the arson? No, they're, they're, they're not only part of the same team, but they're an indispensable part of the same team because if you only had the arsonist, you could actually get in there. 
That's what people need to realize. With that mind, you have to have that mindset. Meaning, even if you're going to still be a registered Republican and vote in Republican primaries, and even vote for Republicans sometimes, sometimes in the general election, it's fine. But the mindset needs to be the Republican Party is the enemy. The only positive side is that in many states, they rely on us. So you have more clout over them. Democrats don't care what you think. Republicans don't really either. But sometimes they do have to reckon with it. So use it. Use it. Every second. Don't carry water against the D's. Don't carry water for them against the D's. That's their fight. And that begins by breaking their virginity on this lifelong celibacy pledge that they will never go outside the GOP in a general election. It begins by creating a red line. And to me, the place to start, again, to me, it's all of them really at this point. But at least start with the 12 Senate Republicans who voted for sodomy marriage at a time like this. And you would circulate petitions within their states, making it clear that if Joni Ernst, Tom Tillis, Cynthia Lummis, and these are in red states, so I don't want to hear this like, you know, most of these are in red states. I don't want to hear this business of, oh, oh, but the Democrats. I think we need to be willing to shoot that hostage. But here, you don't even have to settle for that. We will not vote for them if they get the nomination. We will not vote for them in the general election if they get the nomination. Absent a pledge like that, we are done. Because the problem is if you take this to its logical conclusion, it never ends. The Democrats always worse because you always have that fake space between the two parties. So the, and, and actually, they benefit from it. They benefit from this perfidy. Because the more, here's how it works. It's a never-ending zero-sum game. The more the GOP commits the betrayal, perfidy, subterfuge against us, and works with the Democrats on the issues of the time when they matter, the farther the political landscape in Overton window shifts to the left. Then that in itself scares the base even more. I'm like, gosh, look what the Democrats are doing. The more the base is hoodwinked frenetically and frantically into voting Republican without doing any surgery. Oh, we can't have any surgery now because we just got to focus on being on the Democrats. Look how bad things are. That's this at its core. If I had to give over one illustration of why we are where we are with this race to the bottom the last 30 years or so. It's that point. That's how, they, that's how they've trapped conservative voters, and that's what conservative influencers have been serving as enforcers for that dogma have given over to GOP voters. And that's what needs to be broken. No. No. You're going to get on our reservation. If you don't get on our reservation, you're done. Hey, Go get your Democrats to vote for you, because we won't. Now, Daniel, is that just kind of like giving up? No, because that works concurrently with several do's. That's a don't. Don't vote for rhinos in a general election. But what do you do? So several things. You run independent candidates in the general election. Okay, and this you can do in red states, but you can do this. You can even win in swing states. Like I keep saying, if you have people with a new label, a new message, remember, what's the big story of the election? Independent voters. What's the fastest growing party affiliation? Independent. There's nothing like independent because you're not really a new party because it's not a party. It's unaffiliated. So there's nothing to hit at. It's very frustrating for the other side. They can't discredit it. It's not a party. It's a collection of independent candidates. It's easier to get on the ballot. So you don't have to worry about that whole business. The messaging is perfect. 
we always used to talk about what we would name our new party. It was always hard. Like, what would appeal to people? Everyone's always into a constitution and this, but that doesn't mean anything to people. Independent is really the best thing that speaks to the failure of the political system. Kirsten Cinema is a fraud, but she she's not stupid. And she's onto something with that label resonates with voters. Now, that's not with the exclusion of primaries. You could take a bifurcated approach. I think, see, I think in the swing states from the get-go, I don't even, to me, it's not even worth fighting the rhinos in primaries. Because not only is it hard to win, but even if you do, we see the problem. You're so tarnished by having to run to the right and then the establishment tears you down in the primary and then the general election, they sabotage you. You can't win. But if you just say, you know what, we're going to bypass them. Let them run Amendment Oz in the primary for a Republican. Fine. From the get-go, you take a guy that has independent appeal, run him as an indie. That's what we need to start doing. Certainly in the swing states. But in the red states too. Because again, it's hard to win primaries. But concurrently, concurrently, we need to, um, to at least try in as many states as we can to change as many offices to have their elections be representative conventions or caucuses and not primaries. That takes the money and game out of it. We do much better in them. Now, it's hard. Because a lot of states, most states, it is going to take a statutory change. It's set into law. But I do know Alabama is something to work on. Alabama is an interesting state where the party officials are to the right of the elected Republicans. Elected Republicans are horrible. You have Richard Shelby now being replaced by Katie Britt, another rhino. Tuberville is only marginally better. The other senator, the governor is an animal. The congressmen are horrible from that, from that state. We need to move to state conventions. And once you have that in one state, it will build the pressure in others. So I would start in Alabama. These are all action items. And then to the extent we still play in traditional primaries, focus all of our resources on where it matters. We can only win a few primaries every year even in open seats. Focus on governor, governor, governor. No one else is talking about this, but this begins next year. Next year, the important elections are Virginia State Senate and Kentucky, Louisiana, and Mississippi governor. No one's talking about this, but the Kentucky gubernatorial election is in less than a half a year. The primary, that's coming up. You have another DeSantis there, Savannah Maddox, running against a bunch of rhinos, McConnell people. The attorney general is running. He's a McConnell associate. He's a black conservative, but he's not, but he's going to use that. But anyway, they're all splitting the vote. So just a little bit of oomph and support for Savannah could get her across the finish line. But I don't see anyone focusing on that. You get another governorship that's huge. Trifecta state. Then there's Louisiana. You know, we need to work on that. You know, who who is the best in, the, in that race? Mississippi is a little bit tough because that's a re-elect of an incumbent Republican and Tate Reeves, he's another fraud. That's going to be hard to get rid of a guy like that. So I don't know if it's achievable. I put my lifeblood into Chris McDaniel those years when he ran for both Senate seats. Tough memories from that state. And then there's the 2024 race that we can't start quickly enough. States like Utah, West Virginia, North Dakota, Indiana, Missouri. Who's going to be governor there? That's what, that's what we need to focus on. And again, where, where the result of the primary is unacceptable to us, 
It's going to be another status quo WEF, i.e. bot, business guy. Get him out of there. Run an an independent. Run an independent. Now, for... Obviously, to be realistic, independent only works when you can make a big deal about the candidate and he has enough money to gain notoriety. I'm just like dreaming here. Let's say you get RFK and Dell Big Trees Network to put money into a medical freedom doctor that's kind of not like really a Republican, but certainly not a Democrat, runs as an indie on a great message. I, th- I literally think even in a swing state you could win, much less in a red state, you know, in a three-way race. I think you could have broad appeal, plus get the base to, to vote for you. Obviously, that doesn't work down ballot, county, um, you know, state legislature. Uh, that 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 doesn't work because you, they're not going to have name ID, and you just have indie candidates. No one votes for indie candidates without a push behind them. You know, they get two percent, so they'll vote for the you know all the conservatives will vote for the Republican. But here's the good news: the smaller the office you get the more we're being successful in in primaries, even in the current primaries. You know, state house, county, we are making strides. So there needs to be, that's where your Republican primary focus needs to be on those local offices. But here's the thing. They They need to be people that are not like, oh, we're gonna fix the Republican, but no. Like, they recognize, like you and I, that the Republican Party is trash, and when they get into the legislature, they're going to work to create caucuses to essentially work as a parliamentary system. So you you run as a Republican, but they view the Republican Party as the enemy. Let's call it the Freedom Party. They're the Freedom Party. They just use it for the ballot line because otherwise it's too hard. They get in there, and we have enough of these people. That's what we need to work on all right, we have 15 of these guys, not just a Freedom Caucus, they're essentially Freedom Party. So, hey, buddy, um, you know, if you want us to caucus with you rather than, than the Democrats, here is a list of demands. And by the way, we're, we're getting close to this. You know, maybe I'll have on Andy Roth one day, he's running the State Freedom Caucus Network. So they, they set up a bunch of Freedom Caucuses in these state legislatures, and a lot of states they set up, and and look, you know, it's making waves enough that in South Carolina, in South Carolina, uh, GOP leadership they're they're trying to create this pledge, this loyalty pledge, that you have to pledge a whole bunch of things to stay with the caucus and not endorse income endorse primary challengers against incumbents. There's a whole business going on there with this loyalty oath, so it's starting to get to them. So the building blocks are there. That's what we need to focus on. You got to still focus on primaries down ballot, but we are winning more primaries down ballot. And just use the party. That's make it like a new party. That's different from what the the Fox News Republicans are like. No, no, the Republican Party is trash. They're the enemy. We want to destroy it. But yeah, we recognize now it's not practical to get on the ballot as something else. Here's what we're gonna do. But I do think it is practical to get on as an independent for a statewide office where the Republican nominee is unacceptable. And then again, then there's the other part of this, which is not even elections, where you focus on the local issues, the legislatures, focus on the issues that create the political environment either for primary challenges or independent runs. Those are like the hammer and and the elections are the anvil. They work together. See, Republicans, the conservative media and the conservative movement doesn't do this. Meaning if they would have been doing what I would have been doing, they would have created this disquiet and this environment among Republican voters that they're so focused on them where either they would have to do our bidding on the issues or you would have flushed them through the elections. A convert-or-die moment. I wrote a whole outline of this. It's at the blaze titled, um, Conservatives Must Finally Break Free from the Stranglehold of Fake Republicans. It is so, so achievable. It is so achievable. That's what bothers me. 
This is not like tilting at windmills, like, oh, you know, we immediately have to have a totally new party set up. I actually like this even better than a new party ID, even if you didn't have the whole ballot access issue. I like it even better. And the reason why I like it better is because it's hard to hit at it and discredit it. Because it's almost like a guerrilla warfare within the Republican Party. That's what I like doing. I'm all for starting a new party. I'm just, I'm just saying it's not really feasible, at least not yet. But your mindset has to be a new party. That we're not Republicans whatsoever. But we'll use whatever leverage we could wield over them. That mindset is still absent among my colleagues in conservative media. And until it changes, we're never going to change anything. So anyway, just getting back to what we started out with, the contrast between this and DeSantis, I want you to understand after hearing my presentation of what we can be doing, should be doing, should have been doing for so long, it should become clear that DeSantis could have been the standard. This is what it should mean, meaning it's not just that, oh, like, maybe at best case scenario, you're not quite voting against our interests, but you're kind of hope yes, vote no, and you're silent. No, you're out there pounding the pavement, being a voice for our views, not just a vote. This was the whole thing with the gay marriage stuff. Unbelievable. I mean, Biden signed it. This is going to unleash the rainbow jihad on us at a time that we're actually winning on the issue politically. It wasn't just the 12 Senate Republicans and the 40 or so House Republicans who voted for it. Most of them, they really agree with it or they don't want to fight it. And that's where it shows. That's where it matters. It's a values issue. The GOP, it's not just they're, they're weak or this. They don't share our values. And, and increasingly, it's becoming a big problem with foreign policy. Like I told you, because all of the leverage on non-defense spending comes from the fact that Democrats know Republicans want endless spending on defense spending. And the defense apparatus is the biggest problem. Think about this. Think about this. McConnell yesterday condemned Bernie Sanders' war powers resolution that would limit U.S. support for the Saudi-backed forces who are fighting the, the Houthis in Yemen. Be like, what? Like, that's your big tour de force? That, that's the way you view the world? That needs to be our fight? But that's what they're involved in. And by the way, again, like we've been focusing on this week, the national defense apparatus is the biggest problem. There's a great article out. We don't have much time to delve into it. We're at, we're at a time, but Will Jones has a great article at Daily Skeptic, how the U.S. government has been planning lockdowns since 2007. And he rightfully notes that it's, it was all part of the Department of Homeland Security post-9-11 stuff. This was all part of it. He says, I'm told by someone who was involved with the program in the early days that the original biodefense planning in 2002-2003 assumed a targeted biological weapons attack with smallpox or anthrax as worst-case scenario. Um, but very quickly, within a year or two, there was a massive expansion of the original mission, and suddenly every infectious agent was cast into a web of biodefense. So, you know, it, it, it originally was like, okay, what if they unleash anthrax in a subway? Then it was, oh... All infectious diseases globally, hence a global shutdown. And kind of traces it back. So you could check it out there at the Daily Skeptic. But that was all built off of GOP dogma, more so than even Democrats. And they still have not fixed that ideology. So that's what I'm saying. It's not the media. It's not... You know, if, if the media didn't exist, that the Democrats didn't exist, and you only had Republicans, they would be the Democrats. That's what you need to recognize. If we don't shake things up in some way, we will be doing this forever. And this is just an outline. Every year we try to grow together. We try to think of new things, and many of you give me great feedback 
I'm sure there's other ideas as well. But it has to begin with the point that what we're doing is not working and the Republican Party is a problem, not the solution. And you have to operate with that assumption. The minute you're on this, oh, no, 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 but, but no matter what, Republicans versus Democrats, then, then you're done. Then you're done. And at least if you believe that privately, don't tell the Republicans that publicly. Man, you lose all your leverage. But, but the minute they feel that we're going to be off the reservation, I'm telling you, in South Carolina, it's becoming a big issue. We need to make this a bigger issue. If nothing else, make them fear you. That's the first step. Make them fear you and then use that fear, use that leverage. So anyway, we have two more days left after this, so we got a lot on the agenda. I'm going to have Lara Logan on for our finale special on Friday. Um, we're going to talk about Ukraine and the lies there, um, among some other things. So let me know your questions for her. As always, you can email me, Hurwitz at startmail.com, at C19 Truth Bombs on Telegram. Uh, during the two-week break, I might be doing either Telegram Lives like on my Telegram channel, so you're going to want to follow me, download the Telegram app, app if you don't have it, um, or probably we're going to post some videos at Hurwitz Citizen Sanctuary. I need to change that name, um, but that was the original name of my Rumble channel, which I haven't used for a year, but maybe I'll start using it more often. So, you know, we're not going to have full shows, but I'll put out like seven, eight-minute videos as many days as I can just to stay updated on some of the key points. Um, so, again, let's keep this collaboration going all the way into the new year. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.